Hello and welcome to episode 133 of One Man Watchpoint, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're an avid listener, you of course know that we haven't recorded an episode in a while. That's right, we rode the wave to the end of last year, uh, ending you know shortly before the end of the year. Of course, took December off, and here we are recording on January 23rd 2024 so almost took the entire month of january off as well and of course a big part of that is because there just wasn't much to talk about with respect to overwatch now of course the game continues on of course there have been updates and patches and things like that but what we have not had is any news on the overwatch esports side of things namely the overwatch league Of course, if you are a fan of Overwatch, if you are a fan of One Man Watchpoint, if you are listening to this at all, you now know that that has all changed as of today, January 23rd, 2024. That's right, a day that will go down in history as the day that Overwatch Esports was reborn, or should I say the Overwatch League was reborn as Overwatch Esports. So, of course, we are recording today, going to get ahead of the wave here and get something out so we can talk about everything we know, maybe a little bit about what we don't know, and everything in between. If you are, of course, a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. It's been a wild ride, and it's been a little bit since I last recorded, so I'm very happy you're back. If you're new, I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials, so why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over there and give me questions, give me comments, give me concerns, give me topics to talk about on the show. And, of course, I think we'll get back into the swing of things here, and we can talk about it on our next episode. Now, today, I'd say we've got a big show to jump into, but, of course, uh, you know, once we get into it, the, the details are there, but they're not all there. So there's a lot to go through, but there's also not a lot to go through. And realistically, all I'm really going to talk about today is... Uh, the Overwatch League being reborn. So if you're here for general Overwatch news, then you know you should you know maybe tune in next week because I'm sure we'll we'll talk about some regular Overwatch stuff. Uh, and I shouldn't say next week; I should say the week after that. However, if you're a fan of what you hear on today's episode and you would like something next week, well, I would just encourage you to keep an eye on the podcast feeds, especially if you know that I'm also a host on the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast. Now, Ready, Set, Pwn, of course, was previously your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League, but with no Overwatch League and with, you know, both of those organizations uh, maybe not officially announcing they were done, although I think Toronto did officially announce they were done, but still in the scene. Anyways, nothing from Vancouver. The point is, with nothing to cover over there, we also took a break on Ready, Set, Pwn, but, uh, you know, let's throw up the eyes emoji because next week you might just have an episode of the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast to listen to if you enjoy my voice. Aside from that, however, we'll be back on February 6th as we try to, uh, 6th or 7th, I should say. I'm not quite sure when I'll be recording, but I'm going to try and get back into the swing of things here and hopefully the news will continue to come uh, as as we get into everything that's going on. I'm not going to spoil too, too much here. And of course, uh, that would take us into February, which means we're damn near close to March. Why is that important, you might ask? Well, I can't wait to talk about it. So let's dive on in. Now, this is the part where I remember to tell you Uh, the entire intro to the show that I completely forgot to tell you, but I also remember to tell you about the fact that I'm actually recording on a different computer than I was previously recording on, and uh, unfortunately, I don't have any of my sound files on here or transitions or anything, and I'm far too lazy to get that fixed before I post this episode. So, uh, you know, that's a thing. Um, This episode's going to have no transitions. It's just going to kind of go silent for maybe a second or two as I transition into other things. Um, There's going to be no intro music, which you probably already noticed. There's going to be no outro music. Uh, Maybe, maybe the next episode will, will get on top of that. It's it's a bit of a rough one. I had to, I redid my whole setup literally minutes before recording. Um, I think I'm happy with how it's working, but this is also kind of a test run. So anyways, if I, if I decide to stick to the setup I have now, then, uh, I'll get everything transferred over. 
but I'm still a little undecided if I'm going to change things up. So anyways, no intros, no outros, no transitions and all that stuff. But I should tell you, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know where to find it. But if you don't, or if you'd like to tell your friends where to find it, you can tell them to go to podcast services around the globe. Of course, that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., Give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends. If you give us a five-star review, of course, that's the best way to boost us in the algorithm. And you can get me up to the top of the Overwatch uh, uh, podcast realm, which is realistically plat chat and I think tactical crouch, and that's kind of it. So anyways, uh, find the podcast on all those things. Listen to mine. Listen to the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast if it ever records again. Who knows what'll happen there. Now, rewinding back a little bit. I can't wait to talk about everything. Let's dive on in. Pause for a few seconds. Here we go. Okay, before we jump into everything, as is tradition, I like to tell you a little bit about some of the freebies that are going on online right now. Because in the past, there was a number of Twitch drops campaigns and uh, Amazon Prime gaming freebies and stuff like that. Right now, we only have one. But if you are a subscriber to the Amazon Prime service, of course, uh, you have access to Prime Gaming and you can get a Rosewood Moira Epic skin for free. Just Google it and you'll find the link. It'll ask you to connect your uh, Battle.net to your Amazon Prime or Prime Gaming, whatever they want to call it, uh, account. If you've already done that, it'll be a couple clicks and you'll have the skin. So there you go. Just a little PSA on that one. Now, that's all done. Let's roll on over. Let's talk about the big story of the day. So, of course, if you haven't heard already, we now know the future of Overwatch Esports. And that is, of course, the title of the article over on overwatch.blizzard.com as posted today by blizzard entertainment it is titled the future of overwatch esports it has such subtitles as or, or subheadings as the new overwatch esports ecosystem introducing the overwatch champions series na and emea a deeper look face it an open and sustainable overwatch esports infrastructure asia a deeper look and international live events at DreamHack, as well as other Overwatch esports programs. As well as, I'm just scrolling through this, so I'm just finding more and more. Mark your calendars. That's the final, uh, final, final subheading there. So, all of this to say, if you really want to know the nitty-gritty, the down-to-the-nails details, jump over to overwatch.blizzard.com and uh, find this article titled The Future of Overwatch Esports. But if you don't want to go read that actual article, of course... That's why you're here. I'm going to take us over to GG Recon with an article by Sasha Yiska Heinish, of course, posted January 23rd, 2024. That's today as of recording, uh, where Yiska kind of breaks things down nicely and gives us a bit of a, a bit more slim, simplified version of everything that uh, that larger article has broken down. So let's go through some of it. So, of course, it starts off. Blizzard announces Owl's successor, the Overwatch Championship Series. Now, interesting that uh, Yiska says Championship Series in the title, and he puts that in quotes when the logo directly beneath that very clearly reads Champions Series. So it's Overwatch Champions Series. It's going to take a bit of getting used to. Let's dive in. Blizzard Entertainment and third-party tournament organizers ESL Faceit Group, bracket EFG, have announced the new outline for the competitive structure of Overwatch Esports. Under the new umbrella of the so-called Overwatch Championship Series, okay, he, he, he did it again, interesting, OWCS, the multi-year agreement is described as building a competitive eco ecosystem from the ground up. On top of regional competitions, two international events at DreamHack Dallas and DreamHack Stockholm will be the venue for international play for OWCS. Regional Leagues Overwatch Esports is regionalizing. According to a press release by EFG, the OWCS will host regional competition in three respective markets, namely North America and Asia, as well as Europe, the Middle East, and North Africa, bracket EMEA. As GG Recon had reported in September, EFG will be organizing the competition in North America and EMEA, while WDG Esports is handling the Asia region. The best teams from each region will be able to qualify for international play. How the regional breakdown of the three regions is... Oh, wow, that was a mess. Hang on, let me try that again. How the regional breakdown of three regions into eight available slots per international event will work has not yet been shared. Two international events. The OWCS will have 
annual high points with two DreamHack events inviting teams from the three regions to fight it out. Kicking off international play with DreamHack Dallas in late May, the competitive format has been revealed to be a double elimination tournament running over three days. The World Finals will take place at DreamHack Stockholm starting November 22nd, marking the first international offline event in competitive Overwatch since before the launch of the Overwatch League. DreamHack Stockholm is part of the celebration of the 30th anniversary of the company, returning to the Swedish capital for the first time since 2018. With the EFG portfolio, the DreamHack event format is seen as less hardcore esports product as a less hardcore esports product, sorry, and as more of an open gaming festival with various gaming related activities from BYOC to expo areas to cosplay and influencers taking place with esports happening in between. Faceit Infrastructure. The announcement also shared that the matchmaking and tournament platform Faceit would also be folded into the OWCS system, offering, quote, a rich and consistent schedule of events and content that creates a clear path to pro play for aspiring OWCS stars, according to the press release. In Counter-Strike, the platform is known for its, third, its own third-party matchmaking experience that offers an alternative to the regular ranked play experience within the CS client. It also offers the potential for other smaller organizers to use the website's infrastructure to support their events. The schedule. The competitive calendar for 2024 kicks off in February in Asia for Stage 1 qualifiers and Round Robin plus LCQ events with NA and EMEA following suit in March. For the North America and EMEA region, week one of active play will start in a Swiss stage format until the top 16 teams in each region have been determined. In weeks two and three, teams will be split into four groups with the top two advancing to the main event in week four, which is then played in double elimination bracket format. The top placing teams will then be invited to DreamHack Dallas. The same three month long pattern will repeat once more starting in August, culminating in the world finals in Stockholm. How qualifications will be handled for each event has yet to be shared. So, there's a lot to break down there, but I think Yiska does a good job of sort of summarizing the main points uh, that the larger article covered. Um, again, I definitely encourage you to go check out Yiska's article. He does have some of the images embedded in there that show you a little bit more. So one is, of course, the NA and EMEA format, which shows us what the actual week one, week two and three, and week four uh, regional tournaments will look like in the North America and EMEA uh, regions. And if I click to enlarge, what we see is, of course, uh, in week one, we have a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday matches. Uh, looks like Thursday is round one only. Um, which is kind of nice because it was always a little bit awkward with those those Thursday matches. Friday, two uh, matches with round two and three. Saturday is rounds four through six, so three matches. Sunday is rounds seven through nine, so three more matches. Then that so and that was the qualifier Swiss stage. Week two plus three is the qualifier group stage where we have a group A, B, C, and D, and of course uh, these are different slots um, of competing groups or organizations against one another. Then we go to week four, where it's the main event, and of course it's a bracket, uh, group A, number one slot against, uh, I, I think it's saying against group C, number one slot, and then group A, number two slot, against group C, number two slot, etc., and so on. Um, and then of course just a little graphic of an eight-team double limb to show you kind of what that looks like a little bit. So definitely, again, go check out the article for that image. There's another one that shows us the uh, calendar, or the schedule, the loose schedule, and this, of course, shows in February, of course, no action with North America or the EMEA regions. But Asia will actually be starting stage one qualifiers and having a round robin plus LCQ starting. And that carries into March when, of course, you have the stage one qualifiers for both North America and EMEA. It also has a stage one main event for both North America and EMEA. Then April uh, looks very similar in terms of North America and DMEA. If we go to Asia, we have a playoffs plus wildcard slot and a stage one main event. So seemingly the bulk of play happening here in March and April, but then in May, we have a single block that indicates majors across all regions. So what does that mean? Um, I think what they're saying here is that major is the Dream, DreamHack uh, Dallas event. So that's when those teams that have qualified throughout, you know, March and April, um, and in the Asia region, a little bit of February, um, that's where uh, the the qualified teams will then be 
I presume going to play in Dallas. I'm not sure. I mean, obviously everything is yet to be determined really. Um, I think the goal is it's uh, international live play, um, but I'm sure there will be some teams that, you know, for either budgeting reasons or, uh, or visas or something like that can't necessarily make it. So I'm sure some may play on land, but uh, I'm sure the goal is obviously to have as many as possible make the trip to Dallas. We then have a break in June and July with no play um, in terms of the Overwatch Champions series. And then it resumes in August where we have a Stage 3 qualifiers and Stage 3 main event for both North America and EMEA, where in Asia we start Stage 2 qualifiers plus a round robin plus LCQ um, that then feeds into September when North America in EMEA have stage four qualifiers. Meanwhile, Asia has playoffs plus wildcard and that round robin LCQ continues. Finally, we move into October where every region has a stage four main event uh, with Asia's being a stage two main event. And then finally in November, we have our finals, which is that uh, dream hack Stockholm. Sorry, it's, I'm, I'm processing as I go through all of this. And of course, this is the first time I've done this in a while, so I can feel my throat already going and I, I don't have water down here. I may have to take a break to go grab some water. But anyways, so that kind of lays out the calendar. Again, I'm sure everything I just read out to you makes little sense when I'm reading it out to you. Go seek out these images. Again, Google the future of Overwatch esports. You'll find the official blog uh, from the uh, from Blizzard and you can see the images there where they outline uh, all of it. Uh, so that was just Yiska's article. Now, I do want to jump back to the article from uh, Blizzard because they have a few additional images that Yiska did not feature. The big one here being a deeper look at the Asia region. I'm not going to go into all of this because it is a little bit cumbersome, uh, especially, again, in terms of me just reading it. But it does... Uh, going through what the section that they have here, it does shed some light on how the um, Asian region is going to look and be formatted. So I'll read just a snippet here of what they have because it is, you know, good information to have. A key benefit of having a new international program with distinct regions is the ability to better provide players with experiences that best serve their unique regional needs. As such, the Asia region will look a little different than NA and EMEA. Asia will host three regional subdivisions, South Korea, Japan, and Pacific. Each subdivision will host multiple tournaments with formats tailored to each local audience, all with the direct purpose of qualifying teams up to the OWCS. So they've got an image here as well that kind of outlines what that looks like. Um, so it's a tiered format where they have tiers four through one. Of course, tier one is the OWCS International DreamHack uh, event. Tier two is the OWCS Asia Land WDG Esports Studio, which is eight teams. So it's showing us here how this is going to work. Beyond that, it's basically online qualifiers and tournament or round robin qualifiers for each of those regions. So we have Korean Open, we have Japan Open, we have Pacific Open, and they feed into a LAN or an online event for each of those, plus a wild card. That seeds that Tier 2 section, which is, of course, um, a, an eight-team uh, tournament. It's, it's a tournament, really, um, to determine who goes to the OWCS International uh, DreamHack events. So it's actually really kind of cool what they're doing in Asia, um, if you ask me, because it's, in a lot of ways, it feels more open because, of course, you know, in the North America region, you're essentially dealing with uh, Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, um, although I'll touch on that, I'll touch on that a little bit more later here. Um, and then in the Europe region, I guess it's a whole bunch of different countries, but it's, it's cool to me in the Asian region because we have Korean, Japan, and Pacific. And Pacific is a collection of, um, I mean, realistically, Pacific countries uh, in that sort of area. So it's, it feels almost more like they're pulling in more. Although when I think about it, really, I mean, EMEA is a whole bunch of different countries. North America is really the only one that is seemingly limited. And, you know, size-wise, it's obviously the largest. So I'm, I'm talking out my ass here. But anyways, I like seeing 
this format that they have. And the other thing that I really like is they're saying each subdivision will host multiple tournaments with formats tailored to each local audience. And I think that's something that we've really been missing in terms of the greater Overwatch League as a whole. Obviously, it was a single format. Everyone in the league followed that format um, and qualified through whatever whatever infrastructure was provided by the Overwatch League, right? Um, but I like this because it it is literally saying in that sentence that they're looking and they're going to cater to the needs of what best suits that area. Or at least, I mean, that I think that's the goal, right? Um, who knows what will happen in, until it actually happens. But anyways, I'm very excited about that. Um, I'm just scanning the larger article here to see if there's anything else that uh, should really be spoken about right now. There's a whole bunch, there, or there's a, a an FAQ at the end of the article where they just talk more about details. Um, some of them, obviously, not quite available yet. So I'll come back to this and we'll talk about this in a little bit as well. Now, that's the bulk of the news about, of course, uh, the, the Overwatch League successor, the Overwatch Champions series. Of course, although we know the Overwatch League ended, realistically, um, there was there was still sort of... It felt in a lot of ways like we never got... They never actually closed the book on it. Uh, they, you know, they just left it open, and and they said, I mean, everyone remembers the message they put out um, after Grand Finals, where they basically just said, you know, the Overwatch League is going to continue to assess and figure out what's next, right? Well, that book closed uh, with an article posted. This says on the twenty second of uh, January, which would have been yesterday, but I don't know if it actually went up yesterday. I think they might be fudging the numbers a bit there. But an article posted on theoverwatchleague.com or overwatchleague.com by Sean Miller, of course, head of the Overwatch League, and it's titled, Thank You, Overwatch League. After six unforgettable seasons, the Overwatch League and OWL team ownership groups have made the decision to officially end the league. We know this has been an emotional journey for many. That was clear at the 2023 Overwatch League Grand Finals. Whether you were live in person at finals or watching from home, you all showed the world that this community is something truly special. We would like to extend our heartfelt gratitude to everyone past and present who made the Overwatch League a spectacular experience. From packing our arenas, tuning in to watch the matches, or being part of one of the many teams, your passion for the Overwatch League was the driving force behind everything we achieved together. With today's announcement of the Overwatch Champions Series, bracket OWCS, we are also sunsetting the Overwatch Contenders and Open Division brands. The Path to Pro system has been an initiative that has welcomed so many of our players and fans into Overwatch Esports and developed so much of the talent that made the Overwatch League. With OWCS, we now have a more open ecosystem where any player can fight their way to OWCS champion. We are thankful for everyone who participated, supported, or engaged with Path to Pro throughout the years and welcome you to take this next step of competitive Overwatch with us. As all these exciting years have shown us, our community is at the heart of Overwatch Esports, and we look forward to entering this exciting new era of Overwatch Esports and the OWCS with all of you. For more information on various impacts related to the end of OWL, please refer to the fact below. So they then, again, have an FAQ here that outlines uh, more questions, <laughs> or, or more, more questions and answers, I should say, about uh, what's happening with these changes kind of thing. So, a nice little goodbye from Sean Miller there. Um, of course, as he talks about, Path to Pro is going away um, with the with contenders and open division brands kind of being sunsetted in addition to the Overwatch League as a whole. Um, and really, with the way the new system is formatted, that's not obviously not entirely unforeseen, and it kind of makes sense um, because it should be a more... I don't want to say direct path for someone who is wants to work their way through the system, um, but it is more open and more, um, I guess, accessible in a lot of ways to someone who is is joining from the bottom and working their way up. Uh, and this way, the Overwatch League itself or OWCS doesn't have to provide that path for people to make their way through. Um, it's, I mean, that's the point of grassroots, right? Is is anyone can can enter the ecosystem and 
make their way to the top if, if they're skilled enough. So all of this brings us to sort of the final thing that I want to talk about on today's episode of One Man Watchpoint, which is through all this information, uh, we've learned a lot about what is happening, what is going to happen, when it's going to happen, where it's going to happen, in some ways how it's going to happen. But there's still a lot of blanks to fill. Um, so some of the some of the more obvious ones here, I'm going to scan through the FAQs and uh, I'll I'll read out read these out to you because I do think they answer a few of the lingering questions here. But there are some greater questions that we don't have an answer to right now. Um, so of course, one thing that they talk about in the FAQ on the thank you letter there is what will happen to Overwatch League teams. Now, of course, if you've been following the league, you know that. It's basically up to them. Many have already announced that they're no more. Uh, many have put themselves on ice. And a handful have even said, hey, we're sticking around, right? Um, I think the Toronto Defiant are actually a great example of that. So shortly after the announcement of OWCS happened, of course, um, Adam Adamu, uh, Adam Adamu Twitter, um, on Twitter, at uh, Grayson, I believe is his handle, tweeted out uh, that this is me vamping while I pull this up here hang on let's scroll down scrolling down where is it oh oh wait it must be in the replies get out of here X okay X wants me to sign in apparently I'm not signed in right now so I'm not actually gonna read it verbatim but anyways um, he basically tweeted that uh, overactive media will be there and then he said keep your eyes peeled uh, at Toronto Defiant, basically. So some organizations obviously have come out and said quite literally, hey, you know, we're going to be there, right? Which is obviously amazing to hear, great to hear. Um, and I think that will really be a key part in build in starting the OWCS, right? Existing organizations continuing to uh, be a part of it. Because, of course, you know, the natural inclination is that they will bring their audience with them, Um Yes, they're not going to bring everyone, and yes, even some diehard people may no longer be interested. Of course, uh, you know, a large draw to the Overwatch League in the first place was the franchised model where uh, teams were regional-based. Um, so, you know, I've spoken many times about the fact that I'm a Toronto Defiant and a Vancouver Titans fan because I'm Canadian and I live in Canada and I wanted to support Canadian teams. Um, so yes, there's a subset of people that will leave because that is no longer going to be the case. But for me, for someone who's so ingrained in the system, of course, I see the Toronto Defiant organization tweeting out that, hey, we're going to be there. And I immediately latch onto that and say, great, I, I know someone I can support. Um, I have an idea of the community they've built, of what they've done already, and I know I can get behind that. So of course, that's great to see. But the point is, this FAQ question, what will happen to Overwatch League teams? Of course, we know that's mostly in their hands, but great to see some teams already coming out and speaking up. Um, they touch on the branding here of Overwatch League teams, and the uh, the FAQ basically says that's up to them. They can do what they want with it. They can continue to use it. They can change it, whatever. Um, they touch on players as well. Same kind of thing. You know, players, if they want to compete, they can compete. If they don't, then they don't have to, right? Uh, one thing they do mention here, which of course is important to me because you know I'm a hoarder and I love uh, skins in the game, what will happen to the OWL token? They mention here we'll have more details to share about the Overwatch League token and the Overwatch in-game store at a future date. So obvious speculation is that uh, you'll be able to convert those uh, Overwatch League tokens into either coins or credits uh, of course at this point i do think that overwatch is getting a little bit cumbersome with all of the currencies they have of course we have coins we have what did i just say coins credits we have overwatch league tokens we have competitive tokens credits i don't know what to call them competitive points i guess um, that you can buy golden guns with and all sorts of stuff like that so they're getting a little bit crazy with it. I think it's a little bit too much right now. So I could easily see them saying, okay, by this date, you know, whatever that is, we're going to um, pull the plug on the Overwatch League tokens and we're going to just give you a conversion rate of, hey, you, you know, whatever, three to one, convert them into Overwatch credits or coins or what have you. Um, there's a good chance they will also say, along with that, 
we are retiring all of the team skins from the Overwatch League, right? Of course, we saw this with the Chengdu Hunters. Um, and then, of course, we also saw some changeover with teams like the Paris Eternal becoming the Vegas Eternal and things like that. Um, I was just digging through my skins the other day on, uh, I believe it was Torbjorn, and I came across the fact that apparently I purchased a, a Paris Eternal uh, Torbjorn skin just because Paris was becoming Vegas and you would no longer be able to get that. So anyways, as someone who enjoys collecting skins in the game, has a lot of them, and also hoards or hoarded the Overwatch League tokens and has a ton of them right now, um, I'm curious to see what happens with this, but more to come. They mentioned the Overwatch League app and website here, and they're basically like, yeah, you know, these things are going to go away, right? Like, duh, why, why would they stick around? So, okay, that's fine. You know, it is what it is. More importantly, they talk about um, contenders in open division a little bit more here. Uh, basically, you know, the new format is more open, and therefore they don't really need contenders in open division. Uh, but they talk very highly of it, and that's great to see. They touch on Collegiate here as well, and they actually talk about, uh, it says here, at this time we have no updates to share regarding Overwatch Collegiate. I have a feeling that Collegiate will continue to run in some way, shape, or form. Um, I'm sure some changes will come, but it doesn't necessarily make sense to shutter it entirely because it is a good way to support people who are, uh, you know, want to go the college route kind of thing and continue to play at a competitive level there. One that I do want to touch on here, what does this mean for Calling All Heroes? Now, Calling All Heroes, of course, if you're not in the know, is over the Overwatch League's um, inclusive uh, tournament competition, I guess you could call it. Um, so this this was an important one to me where I was curious if, if this was going to be affected. So they mention here, Participants and fans of the Calling All Heroes program should not expect any changes to their experience as existing programming will live outside the OWCS. We continue to be excited to conclude our 2023 to 2024 Challengers Series Championship this winter and hope you will join us February 2nd to 4th to catch all the action. Calling All Heroes competition will remain on start.gg for the 23, sorry, 2023 to 24 circuit. So good to hear they're going to finish out this season basically um, and they don't make it sound like there are any plans to move away from Calling All Heroes. Of course, there were some concerns here because... ESL Faceit Group, of course, notoriously um, a Saudi Arabian company. And of course, we all know the civil rights issues that they have over there. Um, and Calling All Heroes, basically, you know, the exact opposite of what they might encourage and support. So they do mention that Calling All Heroes will live outside the OWCS, which maybe blizzard is managing it themselves i'm not really sure what that looks like but good to see that they're not saying it's going to just straight up be shuttered uh they mentioned path to pro in-game rewards like uh contenders home and away skins they say they're not going to be offering those anymore well you hopefully you earned them while you still could if that's the case um and that's probably about all i need to talk about in there now if we jump back to the future of overwatch esports article from blizzard of course, there's an FAQ at the bottom there as well. Now, this one, I haven't actually looked over that closely, but I see some exciting nuggets in here that I want to pull on. The first one, where will Overwatch Esports be streamed? And they say details on how to tune into Overwatch Esports will be shared at a later date. So, of course, that's a, a very easy, straightforward question. How can I watch this now that everything is changing? Well, obviously... I think many people would hope to see it on Twitch and YouTube. Um, I think a fair number of people would prefer to see it on Twitch over YouTube. For me, I personally like the general experience of YouTube better than Twitch, but I understand that, you know, when it came to the Overwatch League, Twitch had its own ecosystem. And of course, there's a lot of talk about, you know, how badly the numbers dipped when it went over to uh, exclusively be on YouTube. My hope is that new provider means new doors are open and hopefully they can multi-stream, uh, get it on Twitch and YouTube so you can just watch it wherever you want. I think that would be best for everyone. They touch on eligibility to uh, compete in the OWCS in this FAQ as well. Um, and they talk a little bit about constructing teams. So I'm actually going to go through this a little bit because, I, again, I think this is interesting information for uh, what we're going to see with organizations being built around the OWCS. 
When constructing your team to participate in OWCS, your roster will be A, limited to eight players. So, okay, we know we have an eight-player max. B, minimum age of 17 years old. Okay, so that's actually the same as the Overwatch League in the previous season. And C, a maximum of two non-resident players per team in an OWCS region. So that one has been a bit of a hot button today, simply because, um, of course, you see a few regions that are sorely missing uh, some other countries, right? So the biggest one in my mind being uh, Australia and New Zealand being left out of the Asia region. So there was a lot of talk, um, at least from what I've seen, about why that's the case and uh, how badly it, you know, uh, alienates the players out in those regions. Of course, we've seen some notable players uh, come from the Australia-New Zealand region. Uh, you know, the number one that jumps out in my mind, of course, being Punk, uh, former tank on the Vancouver Titans, previously with Boston and things like that. So maximum of two non-resident players per team in an OWCS region. So in theory, you could have Australia-New Zealand players playing for a um, an Asia team, an Asia division team or something like that you could have a player from you know one of the north american uh or from south america playing with a north american team but i mentioned this earlier this is one thing that i'm not super clear on right now in the graphic in the video that they announced all of this um i don't know if i mentioned that actually but uh the article is of course on overwatch.blizzard.com but if you go to the overwatch league's uh youtube which is now called overwatch esports there's an announcement video, a seven or eight minute video of uh, Zoe, of course, interviewing Jared Noose and uh, Bailey Pizza Penguin on Twitter um, about all of this. So definitely go watch that. Anyways, in that video, there's an image that shows the North American region as Canada, the US, Mexico. It does not show the South Americas included in that. Now, the interesting thing was I saw another image later on not in the video but somewhere else that did highlight south america as being included in the north american region so there's some confusion here and there's some things to sort out so what i was going to say was of course if you're an organization in north america you could pull a player from south america but it may just be the case that they count that may not be one of the two non-resident players so anyways getting into the weeds here they then go into here and they say um, OWCS will feature various eligibility constraints for players and teams across each region. OWCS competition will be divided across three major regions, North America, Europe, uh, Middle East, North Africa, and Asia. Asia is divided into sub three sub-regions. Jurisdictions eligible for competition in North America. Okay, here we go. This should answer our question. Argentina, Belize, Bolivia, sorry, Argentina, Belize, Bolivia, Brazil, Canada, Chile, Colombia, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominican Republic, El Salvador, Ecuador, Guatemala, Haiti, Honduras, Jamaica, Mexico, Nicaragua, Paraguay, Peru, Puerto Rico, Uruguay, United States, and Venezuela. So there you go. That very much answers my question. That is, that totally eliminates, just ignore the last three minutes of what I said, because of course, many of those countries, South American. So those are eligible to play in North America, which is great because we know there's a, a really strong Overwatch esports base uh, in South America. So that's really exciting. Jurisdictions available for competition in EMEA. I'm not actually going to read all these because unless you're a geography buff, it's. I think EMEA actually sums it up pretty nicely. It's Europe, it's the Middle East, um, and North Africa, a handful of countries in North Africa. Um, but it is interesting because they do you know, highlight what exactly those are. Then the Asia region will be divided into three regional subdivisions, those are South Korea, Japan, and Pacific. Now, Pacific is Hong Kong, Indonesia, Macau, Malaysia, Philippines, Singapore, Taiwan, and Thailand, which is, again, very interesting, you know, um, exciting that they're including Thailand, Taiwan, Singapore, the Philippines, um, as well as Hong Kong. That's a, that's a very interesting one in there as well. But in any case, there it is. Um, they talk a little bit about the uh, um, two non-resident regions there. So they say, for example, a player from South Korea will be eligible to compete in North America as a non-resident. So interesting stuff there. Um, could provide some very unique compositions when it comes to the team setups. 
Moving on from there, they say, will there be live competition? And of course, they confirm that there will be two international live events. Um, that's what I mentioned before. Scrolling on down here, viewership incentives. They say there will be opportunities for in-game rewards yet to be determined. So that's interesting. Um, they talk a little bit about Face It here. What is Face It? How will Face It be used in relation? Who's eligible? When can I start playing? How do I use Face It? And will Overwatch, my Overwatch 2 experience, be different on Face It than Battle.net? And the answer to that is no. Playing Overwatch 2 on Face It or Battle.net will be a seamless experience, regardless of platform. So, anyways, the interesting thing about the Face It side, again, outside of the Saudi Arabian bullcrap, is the fact that I believe um, Counter Strike uses a similar platform, if not the same one. And apparently, uh, it's quite good from what I've heard. So, anyways, that I think answers or provides some form of an answer around a handful of the questions that we might have. Now, there are still some questions that we don't have answers to, uh, even though we've gone over all that. So, I did write down a few of them that jumped out to me um, that I'll just talk about for a minute here. So, of course, some further details we don't know. We don't know about prize pool. Um, of course, if you watch Plat Chat, you'll know that Avast said today that the rumored dollar amount was somewhere in the range of $3 million, um, as a total prize pool. But the you know obvious inclination behind that would be, okay, we got three regions, $1 million each. But of course, those regions are going to have different size player bases, um, obviously geographically different different sizes and things like that. So it's really hard to say what that will actually look like. And then, of course, it's also a question of, is that money strictly going to those live events? Uh, is that what you're playing for? You're playing for, or you're playing to make it there to get the big bucks? And of course, then that begs the question, do teams that don't place highly get anything? And I mean, I think the answer to that is they likely do not. Um, and ultimately, that was... That was probably one of the main benefits of the Overwatch League as a whole. Um, you know, take out the fan base region, whatever stuff. For players, I think it was probably one of the more secure positions to be in in terms of esports, right? Um, you know, you were signed to a team, and as long as you kept your spot on that team, you were being paid a salary. Uh, once upon a time, of course, sorry, I'm tired of recording late here. It's almost midnight. Once upon a time, those salaries were, you know, quite high and everything like that. I think in our in our most recent season, of course, the final season of the Overwatch League, you know, that number largely came down. But even still, you were likely being paid, you know, a maybe living wage, depending on, you know, where you were living and everything like that. So anyways, um, that's, you know, those are some questions around the prize pool. What's Who's going to get what um, and how's that going to look? Another thing that uh, isn't clear yet, of course, is the orgs participating. So obviously I mentioned uh, Adam Adamu, uh, the, I'm not even sure, he may still be the interim CEO of Overactive Media, he may not be any longer, but um, I already mentioned his tweet about the Toronto Defiant organization still being involved with the Overwatch League, um, and I'm quite excited to see what that looks like, but I think over the next little while we're of course going to hear from other orgs as well. And Along with that goes the teams, the players, the coaches, and the staff. What does that look like for the organizations, right? You have to assume that these organizations um, are at least somewhat in the know and, you know, had some inkling that this was coming so that they could plan. Of course, the fact is this all kicks off for, uh, you know, two-thirds of the OWCS in March, which means, you know, we're, we're, we've got one week left in January by the time you're listening to this, that means we've got, or teams, organizations, if they didn't know, if they just found out, they've got one month. And and guess what? It's the shortest month of, month of the year. <laughs> they've got one month to get their shit together and get their organization built, get their teams, get their players, get their coaches uh, staffed and built and in place if they want to compete come March. So very interesting stuff there. I think the other thing that you really saw if you are on um i want to call it owl twitter but i guess it's alks twitter now owcs twitter um the other big thing that you saw a lot of today was the lft tweets which let me tell you for someone who's been 
waiting for an off season, an actual off season. Uh, you know, that was exciting today when I saw the first LFT tweet. Um, and, and the interesting thing is you're not just seeing it from players, which is, is really exciting to me, right? It's, it's a major shakeup. The fact that, you know, the Overwatch League is dead and, uh, we're starting this thing from scratch. It, it feels very, very foundational, very ground level, which is exciting. You're seeing people like Albert Yeh, uh, former GM for the uh, Florida Mayhem, uh, who was let go from the Misfits organization. And we're seeing him tweeting that, you know, he's looking for team as uh, coach, GM, whatever position, because, you know, that's what he does. And he's obviously had some proven success with it. So really exciting stuff to see there. Moving on, some other things that are unclear. Um, some of the stage format to me seems a little unclear. They talk about these stages and having four stages in North America and two in the East and everything like that. Um, and I'm a little unclear on what all of that exactly means simply because, well, in large part because of the the naming of, of it as stages because they didn't really talk about it being in stages in, uh, in the video announcement and everything like that. So I'm curious to see what that really means. Does that mean we have... Does that mean we have sort of a stage stage one um, final where it is a small tournament, just in an in-region tournament kind of thing? Um, you know, I'm I'm kind of hopeful because that that would be exciting, seeing you know teams from your region play against each other. There was an article as well that talked about um, it's going to be a point system based kind of thing with you know wins counting towards X amount of points or whatever. A win is two points, a loss is whatever you want to call it, zero points, a tie is one, although I don't think you can tie. Anyways, something like that. So again, a little bit of, of opacity there, if you will. Um, overall, one of the bigger questions that comes from all of this, though, and one of the most interesting questions, if you ask me, is what does this all look like in the future? Of course, we now have our roadmap from realistically if you're including the asia region from february through november um obviously there's some downtime in in i believe it was june july not july august i think it was june july um obviously there's some downtime in the year there but march through november is going to be the the trial run of the owcs it's going to be it's going to be year zero of owcs uh, so there's going to no doubt be some bumps and some rocks along the way. Um, but what does it look like past that? I think it's safe to assume that, you know, we get a year one and then year two, we see some steady improvements. I think year three is probably where we see, you know, maybe some more dramatic shifts in how they do things. Hopefully they're looking back, reflecting and learning and making a better product each year. One thing that Yiska mentioned in his article talking about this was a multi-year agreement with the ESL Faceit group. And to me, that says, okay, so we know they've made an agreement. We know that ink on the paper has dried. And I think usually multi-year agreement in these kind of cases means either three or five. So what does it look like beyond that third year? Or what does it look like beyond that fifth year? Of course, if we look at the Overwatch League as a prime example, uh, we made it six years and <laughs> it, it was shaky towards the end there, right? Um, you know, I think especially after the COVID years, which, hey, I mean, COVID screwed everyone royally, uh, but especially after the COVID years, uh, people didn't know what things were going to look like. Um, so it does make me wonder, you know, where does where does the OWCS go after um after we are over the hump of getting this thing established really because i do think you know in the grand scheme of things five years is a relatively short period of time um i think five years is a good point to look back evaluate what you've done right what you've done wrong and how you can change and this is something i talked about with respect to the overwatch league um and this is obviously also something that i that uh i kind of stole from adam adamu again uh you know interim ceo or whatever his title is now of overactive media uh he had talked about this when we interviewed him on the ready set poem podcast basically saying that you know now is a reflection point uh where we've had x amount of years we've had x amount of time we can look back we can say what worked we can ask what didn't work 
and we can change we can reset um and i mean when i was at grand finals and i spoke to adam there uh he was fairly clear about the fact that um it was all going away (laughs) that it was all going away but you know something something new would come out of it so i'm excited i'm excited overall i think that's that's where i'm at uh today it seemingly it came out of the blue i don't know if people knew this was coming i don't know if people uh you know saw the tea leaves or or heard the rumors or on the grapevine or whatever i certainly didn't i had i had no idea any of this was happening and i just popped on instagram at one point you know 10 a.m or something and i saw the announcement and i immediately watched the video and i'm tearing up seeing zoe on screen again with bailey and with uh jared noose and hearing that we finally know what's coming so very excited about that um i just pulled it up on my phone i found the tweet from adam it says it is back and we will be there more soon at toronto defiant at overactive gg so that's uh that's of course the the uh tweet from adam where he mentioned that they will be back and with all of that said i think that's a really good point to wrap up this episode so now Let's head on over to the outro. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 133 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch podcast, where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. As I said at the top of the show, if you're a returning listener, thank you so much for returning. Thank you for joining us again after our hiatus there. Um, It felt good to take a little bit of a break. It felt good to have my tuesday nights back so honestly so i could just game um i have actually been playing a lot of overwatch lately i've really been let me rephrase that i've really been enjoying it since they tuned mauga down um prior to that it was not so fun because he was kind of just you know destroying everything um so i've really been enjoying overwatch again which is nice um i'm almost done the battle pass at this point i think we've got maybe 20 days left in the season uh but i'm getting close to the end so anyways that's fun Thank you for returning, if you are returning. If you are not, if this was your first episode, if you somehow stumbled across us, maybe you were looking to hear more or you were hoping to find someone talking about the OWCS announcement, then thank you so much for finding me. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir D-R-J-M. On all socials, why not give me a follow? Reach out to me over on those platforms because I'd love to interact with you there. If you give me questions, comments, topics for the show, I'll bring them on next episode and we'll talk about them. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And of course, if you enjoy what you heard here today, as I said at the top of the show, I'm not going to spoil anything here. I'm not going to suggest any other podcasts are coming out of hibernation. But keep an eye on your podcast feeds and maybe subscribe to the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast Well, you are subscribing to One Man Watchpoint both podcasts available on podcast services everywhere thanks so much for listening to episode 133 and we'll catch you later